Hi, everyone. This is Alan Adler. I'm the Detroit Bureau Chief for Freight Waves. I am joined today by Lionel Selwell. Uh, he is the Chief Executive Officer of Romeo Technologies, and Romeo is a major a maker and growing maker of battery packs for commercial electric vehicles. Um, Lionel's background uh, literally has gone through the chairs at uh, at Romeo in the four years, five years that the company's been there. He's been a vice president. He's also been the chief operating officer and, and president and now chief executive officer. Uh, Lionel uh, was in charge as the company at the end of last year uh, completed a business combination with a, uh, a special purpose acquisition company. And uh, the company now is the financial footing to truly expand and, and scale its business. So I want to welcome Lionel. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Alan. I, I really appreciate you inviting me. And uh, as a follow-up to the great article that you that you did on Romeo, we want to uh, thank you for that. And I'm excited to talk to you today. Well, you know, I really enjoyed being able to talk to you about uh, Romeo's progress, which really, as we discussed at the time, was was under the under the radar. Really, it, it, it's something you know you you guys operated, and we'd hear about Romeo occasionally. Typically, when you would uh, you know get a major uh, a deal with a company like a Borg Warner or someone like that, but for the most part, you described it as being kind of in stealth mode for uh, quite a while. Uh, certainly, that's not the case anymore. Um, I, I want to start out uh, our conversation and talk a little bit about uh, about your area, which is batteries. They are critical to the growth in electric vehicles, and and. Uh, where do you see, as we talk about supply chain uh, here, where do you see the potential uh, chinks in the supply chain, such as we're seeing, say, with semiconductors in um, in automobiles? Where, where are those uh, potential hiccups? Really two areas. So first, of course, are the battery cells. Uh, just from a battery cell standpoint, as you know, especially at Romeo, safety and reliability quality are non-negotiable. We will not put anything that do not meet our, our bars for success in those regards in the hands of our customers. So there's only, quite frankly, as of today, uh, a few partners that put the quality that's necessary, especially in the commercial vehicle industry, that are really roadworthy. So ensuring that we have continuous access to that supply is a daily focus of ours. So that's that's the first thing. Essentially, we, we, we will deliver as many batteries from as many cells as we get in the door. So that's the first thing, battery cells. The second thing is actually, you mentioned the semiconductor uh, industry. One thing that we noticed almost three years ago was uh, printed circuit board uh, components, quite frankly, so anywhere from resistors or other IC chips. So we actually stood up a program that's you know kind of tongue in cheek, Alan, called uh, Operation Hedge Fund, where on a weekly basis, we look out in the open market and if there's something that we see, something that's 56-week lead time or 72-week lead time, lead times being pushed out, we actually grab it on the, the open market and put it on the shelf. So those are the two, the real chinks, if you will. Of course, the big bad in the room, uh, battery cells, and then uh, PCBA uh, socket, socket board parts. So hedge fund is an accurate description of what you did. You were hedging against supply. That's and, right. Uh, Pretty smart move, as it turns out. Um, no, and, 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 and let me expand. And like what what we noticed again, just to no matter how big your buy was, you know, you will have multi billion dollar you know partners of ours that were growing together, and they would be indicating to us that hey, even though we spent X amount of billions last year, our lead times are consistently being pushed out, 
And we're there in stealth mode and we said, hey, we know that we have a great product and we'll, we'll eventually capture a big market share. Uh, so we need to grab these so we're, we're not lying down. So that's what drove it. So you have, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned cobalt, but if you didn't, I will. Uh, you know, so it, what are some of those critical battery components that, that you have uh, sort of hedged, if you will? Uh, what, what do you need to make sure you've got to continue? You've expanded your operation in Los Angeles uh, at the plant, the footprint. Uh, what, what do you need to have on the shelves over there? Uh, so, Alan, biggest thing is, as we talked about before, you know that we have our state-of-the-art battery cell test laboratory, where, you know, we've tested more than 200 cells and counting from global players. Like I mentioned before, from a quality standpoint, safety reliability standpoint, there's only really a, a subset of those cells that we have approved to go into our product as of today. So first and foremost, we need to ensure access to those particular cells, which we're working on now. We're working with our partners uh, to secure capacity over the short, medium, and long term. That's 2021 all the way to 2025, 2026, and beyond. So we're working on that. But also, as part of having that laboratory, we're really pushing the boundaries and development of the names that nobody's talking about. Okay, so that supply challenge that we talk about, you know, you had uh, the four customers that, sorry, the four partners that have owned their place in the market. Those are Samsung, LG, Panasonic, CATL. What we're doing is really driving the next wave, if you will, to introduce quality product into the conversation from a capacity standpoint. So we need to get the quality cells that we have approved to be in our product on the shelves while continuously pushing the next wave of product that will be introduced into the supply chain. You've got some really ambitious targets, and these are the ones that you say that ultimately, uh, you know, bring uh, battery electric vehicles into onto par with diesel power, um, short uh, charging, recharging time, 15 minutes, and a 500-mile range. Um, those are goals, but you seem pretty confident of those. Highly confident, highly confident. Uh, as you know, today we're enabling 300 miles on a single charge, depending on state of charge, large-scale capacity batteries, we're charging in 20 minutes or less. But like I told you before, I'm, I'm not happy with that. No idea. Our company is happy with that. We're really driving uh, parity, or what we see as parity in the Class 8 market. So that 300 miles, as you know, especially an expert in the, in the commercial vehicle industry, uh, us being 300-plus miles on a single charge, takes care of a, a myriad, a big part of, especially the medium duty segment of the market that's doing 200 to 250 miles overnight charging. You know, we got some extra left in the tank, if you will, in the proverbial BEV tank. But we are also the pioneers upmarket uh, in Class A. So I want that 1,000-mile route where we go 500 miles on a single charge, 500 miles plus on a single charge, the driver, he or she, you know, is taking lunch, they're already charged up, and you jump on the road for another uh, 500 miles or so. And also, honestly, we're preparing for an autonomous war. We want the Romeo-powered vehicles to be the ones that's going continuous, heavy loads, thousands of miles a day. And I'm highly confident in, in that goal. We're driving on a daily basis to get there. We know that it's more than possible, and it's within reach. Last time uh, that we spoke, but I we're seeing so much more now in, in the autonomous space, and you just used the word. Um, do you see, uh, or are you working with autonomous providers? Because if you can go 500 miles on a single charge, and there is the proper software to drive that truck, uh, is that something you envision as well? 
That is definitely something that we envision. As you know, we're, we're in active discussions with a mayor of companies throughout the value chain. And we're, we're getting prepared for a world that is a mix of, of drivers and a mix of maybe autonomous and sorting tougher routes, whether it's in, in, in our tough climate areas uh, where no one wants to go, et cetera. But that's why we're really driving. Because regardless, even today, with our 300 plus miles in Class 8, the ROI pencils out. What happens, though, is the ROI may take a little bit uh, longer in terms of return on the initial investment, and we're driving, we're continuing to drive that down. So I, I don't want to, you know, misconstrue and say, hey, you should not get a Class 8 uh, BV, especially from Romeo Power today. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it makes it even more of a no-brainer as we continuously move in up market to 500-plus miles on a single charge. You said that uh, you want to work up and down the value chain uh, as the nexus of electrification, I think is the way you put it. Uh, how do you unpack what that means uh, for me? Sure, Alan. So one of the reasons I love uh, talking to you and your team is, uh, again, you're experts in this arena. And you know more than anyone, uh, de depending on the side of the pond, these trucks are done by the inch or by the millimeter. You know that this industry is about individuality, about configurability. What people don't realize is uh, these drivers, this is his or her office, his or her home, when they're away from their families and really the backbone of commerce, if you will. Uh, but with that, getting back to your question is, what we realize is like, hey, the business model that we employ has to be as flexible as well. So what we've done is we've deliberately built partnerships up and down the value chain, whereas with uh, fleet managers, with OEMs, with e-powertrain providers and or integrators, because there will not be a one-size-fits-all value chain or supply chain solution, if you will. Okay, as you know, middle market, there's a lot of configurability. You could get a box truck, you could get a flatbed. You know, an OEM might deliver an empty chassis uh, to an integrator or so, and they would put the, put the truck together, as you know, and deliver it to the customer. Well, Romeo Power is there. An OEM might say, hey, we want to work directly with, with a, a, a battery a partner yeah, up market. Romeo Power is there. And then even with the fleet manager standpoint, well, we feel so confident in Romeo's product that every truck that we buy needs to have a, a Romeo Power battery inside. That's what we've achieved with the Heritage Environmental Partnership. So all in all, we want it to be flexible from a value chain standpoint <clears throat> to not be beholden to any level of the value chain to agitate up and down opportunities and to be in a conversation short, medium, and long term. And the last thing I'll say there is that also drove the way that we developed our product. So the, the fact that we've developed so many partnerships, we understand what's needed, what's warranted, uh, what the customers need to succeed. And for that reason, we've developed battery technology that can go into any offering, whether it's an OEM, e-powertrain, or fleet manager. Yeah, let's talk just a minute about one of your uh, partners, and that's uh, Republic Services. You've, you've sort of gone right along the line with them. I mean, they have a board member now uh, on, uh, you know, on your on your board. They are working with you on retrofitting some refuse uh, trucks, and you've got uh, their investment. I mean, invested in you, and you you've said before that uh, there's a reason not just to buy from Romeo, but to invest in Romeo. This will be a softball for you, but why should they do that? Because as you know, just buying is transactional. I think what our partners are realizing is that we're driving to upload them to the Romeo Power ecosystem. Like, like we said, we're the nucleus of electrification. The most competitive advantage 
But the most important pillar of this transition from ICE to BEV is the battery. And our partners have realized that, and they've scoured the globe and global searches to figure out who they should partner with directly to act as not only the partner on the business front, but really an advisor and really leaning on Romeo to bring additional leading edge, cutting edge electrification partners, whether it's from the OEM standpoint or the component standpoint, powertrain standpoint, et cetera. That's why you do a deeper partnership. Rather, you can get a battery pack, that's okay. But people like Republic and Heritage have, have realized they have big fleets. I mean, Heritage has, has 2,000 trucks that need to be electrified. Republic has 16,000 trucks that they need to electrify. And by the way, they have pointed metrics, as you know, from a profit per mile, ROI, and uptime standpoint. So you deepen the relationship and a partnership there to lead together on the forefront. So you can have a deeper customer partner intimacy about what's needed to really electrify the entire business, starting with the fleet and potentially other aspects of the business as well. So you partner with Romeo because one, we give you the lead. As you switch from ICE to BEV, there's no compromises in terms of your vehicle performance. And from a strategic standpoint, it really allows you to have a clear glide path to full electrification over time. This is a very competitive business that you're in. Uh, you uh, are a leader, but maybe not the leader. I mean, I, I don't know how you characterize it, but we're seeing more and more uh, coming into the battery space, clearly. Um, is this something that uh, you keep an eye on yourself, or do you just try to keep your head down and do your thing? So, look, we, there are two, two things before we get to competitors. First and foremost, you always start with a customer. Right, you always start with, with, with the fleet managers. You always start all with upstream to understand what will drive our success for them. And then we always start with Romeo Power. There's this book called Kill the Company that you and I talked about, where it's all about reinventing and killing yourselves before some another company does. So every day we're driving ourselves, defeating ourselves, making sure that we're competing and driving our product internally at Romeo Power to get better. Honestly, we're trying to put ourselves, reinvent ourselves on a daily basis. And then we look at the customer, uh, the competitors and see, you know, what they're doing, what they're saying. As you know, this industry has started and stopped many times because of the lack of technology, quite frankly. So we are the leader, but too many times what leaders do is they relax and they rest. We don't care about that. We know that we have a, a minimum two-year lead against our competitors. This is feedback from the customer base, not just me marketing to you, Alan. And again, we're not happy. <laughs> we're not happy with that at all. That is too close. So what we're doing is heads down, driving to be as radical as we can be to continuously extend that lead and can continue to delight our end customers. Sure. We get started on this one, uh, Lionel, and that is the whole SPAC issue. Um, you know, you, you, you had one, it came together very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it certainly, I, I presume, has to be a boost in terms of having uh, you know, the the, uh, the resources that you need to to grow the business. You mentioned to me that it was not just a SPAC, but it really was a good fit. Why don't you talk about that for a minute? Sure. So, of course, from the, from the SPAC standpoint, process overall, you know, much quicker. Rather than 18, 18 months or so, it's, it's, it's five months. Uh, you get to use projections and really tell your story and educate uh, with forward-looking exactly what your strategy is. And, and how the company is gonna grow over time. So that's the really, really, the two things compared to an IPO that was, that was extremely 
compelling. Just the timeline, uh, as well as the ability to use projections, having certainty out the door in terms of uh, valuation or valuing the company together. That, and I would say those are the three things. But what you refer to was even more important, uh, the team at, at RMG Acquisition. When we said a fit, uh, I mean, to be transparent, like you and I talked about, there were, uh, there were multiple overtures, if you will. Right, but it became apparent that certain SPAC uh, people, if you will, or managers, really were just trying to, you know, do something to flip a buck. Whereas the RMG acquisition team really came in. I want to tell you, Alan, they dug in so that that five to six months of due diligence felt like eighteen months. They dug into our customer base, our technology. <laughs> Our team, our strategy, broke it down, flipped it around, really challenged myself and my management team to ensure that we have a robust strategy and execution plan, short, medium, and long term. So really the due diligence portion of it was extremely impressive. Tough going through it, but I'm talking to you today, it was extremely impressive. And then they were just adults, Alan. I mean, from a strategic standpoint, having energy backgrounds, understanding how not only we fit in the commercial vehicle space today, but really appreciating that we have a big opportunity in adjacent industries as well, and even out to the stationary storage, our medium or long term. So that was great. And then just just governance. Uh, they came in with additional chops in terms of how to govern at the board of directors, how we're going to stand up the company and really be public and markets ready. Uh, so I will take this opportunity to say that, that look, the, the process is great. But finding the, the right partner is even more paramount. So as I'm, you know, I know a lot of, of founders, CEOs, executive leaders uh, watch your show, and rightfully so, but they really need to ensure that they have the right partners that are pushing them with tough questions before they come out the door. Yeah. Well, this can be uncomfortable for sure, but uh, it sounds like you uh, passed that test. Lionel, thanks so much for being with us today and, and being part of the Global Supply Chain Week. Good to see awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alan. Let's keep it going. Okay.